chapters fifteen to seventeen of Dulcibel by Henry Peterson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter fifteen. The arrest of Dulcibel had been entirely unexpected to herself and the Buckleys. Dulcibel, indeed, had wondered when walking through the village in the morning that several persons she knew had seemed to avoid meeting her but she was too full of happiness in her recent betrothal to take umbrage or alarm at such an unimportant circumstance a few months now and salem she hoped would see her no more forever she knew for master raymond had told her that there were plenty of places in the world where life was reasonably gay and sunny and hopeful not like this dull valley of the shadow of death in which she was now living raymond's plan was to get married sell her property which might take a few months more or less and then sail for england to introduce his charming wife to a large circle of relatives dulcibel had been reading a book that raymond had brought to her a volume of shakespeare's plays a prohibited book among the puritan fathers and which would have been made the text for one of master paris's most denunciatory sermons if he had known that it was in the village having finished macbeth she laid the book down upon the table and began playing with her canary holding it to her cheek putting its bill to her lips and otherwise fondling it while she was thus engaged she began to have the uncomfortable feeling which sensitive persons often have when someone is watching them and turning involuntarily to the window which looked out on a garden at the side of a house she saw in the dim light that dark faces with curious eyes seemed nearly to fill up the lower half of the casement in great surprise and with a sudden tremor she rose quickly from the seat and as she did so the weird faces and glistening eyes disappeared and two constables attended by a crowd of the villagers entered the room one of these walked at once to her side and seizing her by the arm said i arrest you dulcibel burton by the authority of magistrate hathorne come along with me what does this all mean friend herrick said goodman buckley coming into the room it means said the constable that this young woman is no better than the other witches who have been joining hand with satan against the peace and dignity of this province then turning to dame buckley get her a shawl and bonnet good wife if you do not wish her to go out unprotected in the night's cold a witch what nonsense said dame buckley nonsense is it said the other constable what is this taking up the book from the table a book of plays profane and wicked stage plays in salem village you had better hold your peace good wife or you may go to prison yourself for harbouring such licentious devices of satan in your house good wife buckley started and grew pale a book of wicked stage plays under her roof she could make no reply but went off without speaking to pack up her bundle of the accused maiden's clothing 
see here continued the constable opening the book all about witches as i thought he capped and three other witches round about the cauldron go in the poisoned entrails throw it is horrible put the accursed book in the fire master taunton said herrick there was a small fire burning on the hearth for the evening was a little cold and the other constable threw the book amidst the live coals but was surprised to see that it did not flame up rapidly that is witchcraft if there ever was witchcraft said jethro sands who was at the front of the crowd see it will not burn the devil looks out for his own yes we shall have to stay here all night if we wait for that book to burn up said master herrick now if it had been a bible or a psalm book it would have been consumed by this time my father told me said one of the crowd that they were once six weeks trying to burn up some witch's book in holland and then had to tear each leaf separately before they could burn it where is that yellow bird her familiar that she was sending on some witch errand when we were watching at the window said another of the crowd oh it is not likely you will find the yellow bird replied herrick it is half way down to hell by this time no there it is cried jethro sands pointing to a ledge over the door where the canary bird had flown in its fright kill it kill a familiar kill the devil's imp came in various voices the angry tones being not without an inflection of fear several pulled out their rapiers jethro was the quickest he made a desperate lunge at the little creature and impaled it on the point of his weapon dulcibel shook off the hold of the constable and sprang forward oh my pretty cherry she cried taking the dead bird from the point of the rapier you wretch do harm an innocent little creature like that and she smoothed the feathers of the bird and kissed its little head take it from her kill the witch cried some rude woman in the outer circles of the crowd yes mistress this is more than good christian people can be expected to endure said constable herrick sternly snatching the bird from her and tossing it into the fire let us see if the imp will burn any quicker than the book ah she forgot to charm it said the other constable as the little feathers blazed up in a blue flame yes but note the colour said jethro no christian bird ever blazed in that colour neither they ever did echoed another and they looked into each other's faces and shook their heads solemnly at this moment antipas newton was led to the door of the room in the custody of another officer the old man seemed to be taking the whole proceeding very quietly and patiently as the quakers always did but the moment he saw dulcibel weeping with herrick's grasp upon her arm his whole demeanour changed what devil's mischief is this cried the demented man and springing like an enraged lion upon master herrick he dashed him against the opposite wall tore his constable's staff from his hands and laying the staff around him wildly and ferociously cleared the room of everybody 
save Dulcibel and himself, in less time than I have taken to tell it. Jethro stepped forward with his drawn rapier to cover the retreat of the constables, but shouting, The sword of the Lord and of Gideon, the deranged man with the stout oaken staff dashed the rapier from Jethro's hand, and administered to him a sounding whack over the head which made the blood come. Then he picked up the rapier, and throwing the staff behind him, laughed wildly as he saw the crowd, constable, and all, trembling out of the door of the next room into the front garden of the house, as if Satan himself in very deed were after them. "'I will teach them how they abuse my pretty little Dulcibel,' said the now thoroughly demented man, laughing grimly. "'Come on, ye imps of Satan, and I will toast you at the end of my fork,' he cried, flourishing Jethro's rapier, whose red point, crimson with the blood of the canary-bird, seemed to act upon the mind of the old man as a spark of fire upon tow. "'Antipas,' said Dulcibel, coming forward and gazing sadly into the eyes of her faithful follower, "'it is not written, Put up thy sword,' for he that takes the sword shall perish by the sword give me the weapon the old man gazed into her face at first wonderingly then with the instinct of old reverence and obedience he handed the rapier to her crossed his muscular arms over his broad breast bowed his grisly head and stood submissively before her you can return now safely dulcibel called out to the constables they came in at first a little warily he is insane but the spell is over now for the present but treat him tenderly i pray you when he is in one of these fits he has the strength of ten men the constables could not help being impressed favourably by the maiden's conduct and they treated her with a certain respect and tenderness which they had not previously shown until they had delivered her and the afterwards entirely humble and peaceful Antipas to the keeper of Salem prison. But the crowd said to one another as they sought the houses, What a powerful witch she must be, to calm down that maniac with one word, while others replied, But he is possessed with a devil, and she does it because her power is of the devil. They did not remember that this was the very course of reasoning used on somewhat similar occasion against the Saviour himself in Galilee. Chapter 11 In the previous case of alleged witchcraft, to which I have alluded, the details given in my manuscript volume were fully corroborated, even almost to the minutest particulars by official records now in existence but in what i have related and am about to relate relative to dulcibel burton i shall have to rely entirely upon the manuscript volume still as there is nothing there averred more unreasonable and absurd than what is found in the exacting official records i see no reason to doubt the entire truthfulness of the story in fact it would be difficult to imagine grosser and more ridiculous accusations than were made by mistress anne putnam against that venerable and truly devout and christian matron rebecca nurse 
when dulcibel and antipas in the custody of four constables reached the salem jail it was about eleven o'clock at night the jailer evidently had expected them for he threw open the door at once he was a stout strong-built man with not a bad countenance for a jailer but seemed thoroughly imbued with the prevailing superstition judging by the harsh manner in which he received the prisoners i've got two strong holes for these imps of satan bring em along the jail was built of logs and divided inside into a number of small rooms or cells in each of these cells was a narrow bedstead and a stone jug and slop bucket antipas was hustled into one cell and after being chained the door was bolted upon him then dulcibel was taken into another though rather larger cell and the jailer said now she will not trouble other people for a while my masters are you not going to put irons on her master foster said herrick of course i am but i must get heavier chains than those to hold such a powerful witch as she is trust her to me master herrick she'll be too heavy to fly about on her broomsticks by the time i have done with her then they all went out and dulcibel heard the heavy bolt shoot into its socket and the voices dying away as the men went down the stairs she groped her way to the bed in darkness sat down upon it and burst into tears it was like a change from paradise into the infernal regions a few hours before she had been musing in an ecstasy of joy over her betrothal and dreaming bright dreams of the future such perhaps as only a maiden can dream in the rapture of her first love now she was sitting in a prison cell accused of a deadly crime and her life and good reputation in the most imminent danger one thing alone buoyed her up the knowledge that her lover was fully aware of her innocence and that he and joseph putnam would do all that they could to do in her behalf but then the sad thought came and to aid her in any way might be only to bring upon themselves a similar accusation and then with a noble woman's spirit of self-sacrifice she thought no let them not be brought into danger better far better that i should suffer alone than drag down my friends with me here she heard the noise of the bolt being withdrawn and saw the dim light of the jailer's candle as the jailer entered he threw down some heavy irons in the corner of the room then he closed the door behind him and came up to the unhappy girl he laid his hand upon her shoulder and said you little witch something in the tone seemed to strike upon the maiden's ear as if it were not unfamiliar to her and she looked up hastily do you not remember me little dulcie why i rocked you on my foot in the old captain's house in boston many a day is it not uncle robbie said the girl she had not seen him since she was four years old the jailer smiled of course it is he replied just uncle robbie the old captain never went to see that robbie foster did not go as first mate and a blessed day it was when i came to be first mate of this jail ship though i never thought to see 
the old captain's bonny bird among my boarders and do you think i am really a witch uncle robbie of course ye are a witch of the worst kind replied robbie with a chuckle now when i come in here to-morrow morning no doubt i will find all your chains off it is just so with pretty much all the others i cannot keep him chained tried my best and prettiest and antipas oh he will just be like all of the rest of them doubtless he is a powerful witch and half a quaker besides but do you really believe in witches uncle robbie what do these deuced bare-bones puritans know about witches or the devil or anything else there is only one true church mistress dulcibel i have so much respect for the clergy as any man but i don't take my sailing orders from a set of sour-faced old pirates then leaving her a candle and telling her to keep up a stout heart the jailer left the cell and dulcibel heard the heavy bolt again drawn upon her with a much lighter heart than before examining the bundle of clothes that goodwife buckley had made up she found that nothing essential to her comfort had been forgotten and she was soon sleeping as peacefully in her prison cell as if she were in her own pretty little chamber chapter seventeen the next afternoon the meeting-house at salem village was crowded to its utmost capacity for dulcibel burton and antipas newton were to be brought before the worshipful magistrates john hathorne and jonathan corwin these worthies were not only magistrates but persons of great note and influence being members of the highest legislative and judicial body in the province of massachusetts bay among the audience were joseph putnam and ellis raymond the former looking stern and indignant the latter wearing an apparently cheerful countenance genial to all that he knew and they were many and especially courteous and agreeable to mistress anne putnam and the afflicted maidens it was evident that master raymond was determined to preserve for himself the freedom of the village if complimentary and pleasant speeches would affect it it would not do to be arrested or banished now that dulcibel was in prison when the constable joseph herrick brought in dulcibel he stated that having made diligent search for images and such like they had found a yellow bird of the kind that witches were known to affect a wicked book of stage plays which seemed to be about witches especially one called he cat and a couple of rag dolls with pins stuck into them have you brought them said squire hathorne we killed the yellow bird and threw it and the wicked book into the fire you should not have done that you should have produced them here we can get the book yet for it was lying only partly burned near the backlog it would not burn all we could do to it of course not witches books never burn said squire hathorne here are the images said the constable producing two little rag babies that dulcibel was making for a neighbour's children the crowd looked breathlessly on these as diabolical instruments of torture were placed upon the table before the magistrates dulcibel burton stand up and look upon your accusers said squire hathorne 
dulcibel had sunk upon a bench while the above conversation was going on she felt overpowered by the curious and malignant eyes turned upon her from all parts of the room now she rose and faced the audience glancing round to see one loved face at last her eyes met his he was standing erect even proudly his arms crossed over his breast his face composed and firm his dark eyes glowing and determined he dared not to utter a word but he spoke to her from the inmost depths of his soul be firm be courageous be irresolute this is what raymond meant to say and this is what dulcibel with her sensitive and impassioned nature understood him to mean and from that moment a marked change came over her whole appearance the shrinking timid girl of a moment before stood up serene but heroic fearless and undaunted prepared to assert the truth and to defy all the malice of her enemies if need be to the martyr's death and she had need of all her courage for before three minutes had passed squire hathorne pausing to look over the deposition on which the arrest had been made mistress ann putnam shrieked out turn her head away she is tormenting us see her yellow bird is whispering to her and with that she and her little daughter anne and abigail williams and sarah churchill and lee herrick and several others flung themselves down on the floor in apparent convulsions oh a stake is stinging me cried lee herrick her black horse is trampling on my breast groaned sarah churchill make her look away turn her head cried several in the crowd and one of the constables caught dulcibel by the arm and turned her around roughly this is horrible cried thomas putnam and so young and fair-looking too ah they are the worst ones master putnam said his sympathetic friend the reverend master paris she looks young and pretty but she may really be a hundred years old said deacon snuffles quiet at last being restored magistrate hathorne said dulcibel burton why do you torment mistress putnam and these others in this grievous fashion i do not torment them replied dulcibel calmly but a little scornfully who does torment them then how should i know perhaps satan what makes you suppose that satan torments them because they tell lies do you know that satan cannot torment these people except through the agency of other human beings no i do not well he cannot our wisest ministers are united upon that is it not so master paris that is god's solemn truth was the reply who is it that torments you mistress putnam continued squire hathorne addressing mistress ann putnam who had sent so many already to prison and on the way to death mistress putnam was angered beyond measure at dulcibel's intimation that she and her party were instigated and tormented directly by the devil and yet she could not if she would bear falser witness than she already had done against rebecca nurse and other women of equally good family and reputation but at this appeal of the magistrate she flung her arms into the air and spoke with the vehemence and excitement 
of a half-crazy woman it is she dulcibel burton she was a witch from her very birth her father sold her to satan before she was born that he might prosper in houses and lands she has the witch's mark a snake on her breast just over her heart i know it because goodwife bartley the midwife told me so three years ago last march midwife bartley is dead but have a jury of women examine her and you will see that it is true at this as all thought it horrible charge a cold thrill ran through the crowd they all had heard of witch marks but never of one like this the very serpent perhaps which had deluded eve joseph putnam said disdainfully a set of stupid superstitious balls he muttered through his teeth half the dippy veils had that mark i will have that looked into said squire hathorne in what shape does the spectre come mistress putnam in a shape of a yellow bird she whispers to it who it is that she wants tormented and it comes and pecks at my eyes here she screamed out wildly and began as if defending her eyes from an invisible assailant it is coming to me now cried lee herrick striking out fiercely oh do drive it away shrieked sarah churchill it will put out our eyes there was a scene of great excitement several men drawing their swords and pushing and slashing at the places where they supposed the spectral bird might be lee herrick said the spectre had hurt her come oftenest in the shape of a small black horse like that which dulcibel burton was known to keep and ride everybody supposed she said that the horse was itself a witch for it was perfectly black with not a white hair on it and nobody could ride it but its mistress here sarah churchill said she had seen dulcibel burton riding about twelve o'clock one night on her black horse to a witch's meeting Anne putnam the child said she had seen the same thing one curious thing about it was that dulcibel had neither a saddle nor a bridle to ride with she thought this was very strange but her mother told her that witches always rode in that manner here the two ministers of salem reverend master paris and reverend master noise said that this was undeniably true that it was a curious fact that witches never used saddles nor bridles master noise explaining further that there was no necessity for such articles as the familiar was instantly cognizant of every slightest wish or command of the witch to whom he was subject and going thus through the air there being no rocks or gullies or other rough places there was no necessity of a saddle both the magistrates and the people seemed to be very much instructed by the remarks of these two godly ministers that pious and excellent young man jeffro sands here came forward and testified as follows he had been at one time on very intimate terms with the accused but her conduct on one occasion was so very singular that he declined thereafter to keep company with her hearing one day that she had gone to master joseph putnam's he had walked up the road to meet her on her return to the village he looked up after walking about a mile 
and saw her coming towards him on a furious gallop there seemed to have been a quarrel of some kind between her and her familiar for it would not stop all she could do to it and she came up to him she snatched the rod that he had cut in the woods out of his hand and that moment the familiar stopped and became as submissive as a pet dog he could not understand what it meant until it suddenly occurred to him that the rod was a branch of witch hazel here the audience drew a long breath the whole thing was satisfactorily explained everyone knew the magical power of witch hazel jethro further testifying that mistress dulcibel fully admitted to him that her horse was a witch never speaking of the mare in fact but as a little witch as might be expected the horse was a most vicious animal worth nothing to anybody save one who was a witch himself he thought it ought to be stoned or otherwise killed at once the reverend master noise suggested that if it were handed over to his reverend brother paris he might be able by a course of religious exercises to cast out the evil spirit and render the animal serviceable the apostles and disciples it would be remembered often succeeded in casting out evil spirits though sometimes we are told they lamentably failed the magistrates here consulted a few minutes and squire hathorne then ordered that the black mare should be handed over to the reverend master paris for his use and that he might endeavour to exorcise the evil spirit that possessed it dulcibel had regarded with calm and serious eyes the concourse around her while this wild evidence was being given notwithstanding the peril of her position she could not avoid smiling occasionally at the absurdity of the charges made against her while at other times her brow and cheeks glowed with indignation at the maliciousness of her accusers then she thought how could i ever have injured these neighbours so seriously that they have been led to conspire together to take my life oh if i had never come to salem to a place so overflowing with malice evil speaking and all uncharitableness where there is so much sanctimonious talk about religion and such an utter absence of it in those that pervaded the most of its possession down among the despised quakers of pennsylvania there was not one half as much talking about religion but three times as much of that kindly charity which is its essential life dulcibel burton said squire hathorne you have heard what these evidences against you what answer can you make to them blood will assert itself the daughter of the old sea-captain himself of norse descent on the mother's side felt her father's spirit glowing in her full veins the charges that have been made are too absurd and ridiculous for serious denial the yellow bird is my canary cherry given me by my captain alden when we lived in boston he brought it home with him from the west indies ask him whether it is a familiar my black horse misbehaved on that afternoon jeffrey sands tells off as i told him at the time simply because i have no whip when he gave me his switch the vixenish animal came at once into subjection to save herself a good whipping it was not a hazel switch his statement is false 
and he knows it. It was a maple one. And you mean to say, I suppose, shrieked out Mistress Anne Putnam, that you have no witch mark either, that you do not carry the devil's brand of a snake over your heart? I have some such mark, but it is a birthmark, and not a witch mark. It is a simple curving line of red, and the girl blushed crimson at being compelled to such a reverence to a personal peculiarity. But she faltered not in her speech, though her tones were more indignant than before. It is not a peculiarity of mine, but of my mother's family. Some say that a distant ancestor was once frightened by a large snake coming into her chamber, and her child was born with this mark upon her breast. That is all of it. There is no necessity of any examination, for I admit the charge. Yes, screamed Mistress Putnam again. Your ancestress, too, was a noted witch. It runs in the family. Go away with you, she cried, striking apparently at something with her clenched hand. It is her old great-grandmother. See, there she is. Off, off. She is trying to choke me endeavouring seemingly to unclasp invisible hands from her throat the other afflicted ones joined in the tumult with one it was the yellow bird pecking at her eyes with another the black horse rearing up and striking her with its hoofs lee herrick cried that dulcibel's spectre was choking her hold her hand still ordered squire hathorne and a constable sprang to each side of the accused maiden and held her arms and hands in a grasp of iron joseph putnam made an exclamation that almost sounded like an oath and made a step forward but a firm hand was laid upon his shoulder be patient whispered ellis raymond through his own mouth was twitching considerably we are the anvil now waiting till our turn comes to be sledgehammer such a din and babble as the afflicted kept up by the curious power of sympathy it affected the crowd almost to madness if dulcibel looked at them they cried she was tormenting them if she looked upward in resignation to heaven they also stared upward with fixed stiff necks if she leaned her head one side they did the same until it seemed as if their necks would be broken and the jailers forced up dulcibel's neck with their coarse dirty hands dulcibel had not attended any of the other examinations but similar demonstrations on the part of the afflicted had been described to her it was very different however to hear of such things and to experience them in her own person and if she had been at all a nervous and less healthy young woman she might have been overcome by them and even led to admit as so many others had admitted under similar influences that she really was a witch and compelled by her master the devil could not help tormenting these poor victims why do you not cease at this at last cried squire hathorne sternly and roughly cease what she replied indignantly tormenting these poor suffering children and women you see i am not tormenting them bid these men unloose my hands they are hurting me they say your spectre and your familiar are tormenting them they are bearing false witness against me who does hurt them then their master the devil i suppose and his imps why should he hurt them because they are liars and bear false witness 
being hungry for innocent blood the spirit of the free-thinking free-spoken old sea-captain nurtured by the free winds and the free waves for forty years was fully alive now in his daughter a righteous holy indignation at the abominable farce that was going on with all its gross lying and injustice had taken possession of her and she cared no longer for the opinions of any one around her and thought not even of her lover looking on but only of truth and justice yes they are possessed with devils being children of their father the devil she continued scornfully and they shall have their reward as for you Anne putnam in seven years from this day i summon you to meet those you have slain with your wicked lying tongue at the bar of almighty god it shall be a long dying for you then seeing thomas putnam by his wife's side and you thomas putnam you puppet in a bad woman's hands chief aider and abettor of her wicked ways you shall die two weeks before her to make ready for her coming and you turning to the constable on each side of her for your cruel treatment of innocent women shall die by this time next year the constables loosened their grasp of their hands and shrank back in dismay the afflicted suddenly hushed their cries and regained their composure as they saw the accused maiden's eyes lit up with wildness of inspiration glancing round their circle with lightning flashes that might strike at any moment even squire hathorne's wine crimsoned face paled lest she would turn around and denounce him too even if she were a witch witches it was known sometimes spoke truly and when she slowly turned and looked upon him the haughty judge was ready to sink to the floor as for you john hathorne for your part in these wicked doings here she paused as if waiting to hear a supernatural voice while the crowded meeting-house was quiet as a tomb no you are only grossly deluded you shall not die but a curse shall be upon you and your descendants for a hundred years they shall not prosper then a hathorn shall arise who shall repudiate you and all your wicked works and the curse shall pass away squire hathorn regained his courage the instant she said he should not die little he cared for misfortune that might come upon his descendants off with the witch to prison we have heard enough he cried hoarsely tell the jailer to load her well with irons hands and feet and give her nothing to eat but bread and water of repentance she is committed for trial before the special court in her turn and at the worshipful judge's convenience End of chapters 15 to 17